Namaste and welcome to Kidacity, the all-in-one podcast for kids, where we learn, share, and grow together. I'm your host Samir Chitta, and this is episode 82. If you have been following the news, I'm sure you know about the intense rains and flooding that has occurred in Bangalore throughout the past week. The city recorded the third highest rainfall in the past 75 years, which completely flooded the city. Last Sunday night, an incredible 131.6 meters of rainfall was recorded. That's why when I woke up on Monday morning, I got the news that school was online. In fact, it remained online for the rest of the week as many roads were either flooded or had really 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 slowly moving traffic. Some of my schoolmates and friends had to evacuate their homes due to the flooding. My parents went to work, but it took them over 3 hours to cover just a mere 20 kilometers. Many areas and people were impacted severely. Water had entered their homes and there was no electricity and drinking water for a few days. The cars were submerged and many people had to be rescued in boats or tractors. Luckily for me, our community did not have much water in it. But the heavy rainfall was something I had not seen so far. Now that the weather is a bit better, everybody's talking about the cause of all this chaos and havoc. Why did some areas get flooded so badly while the others were largely dry or just had a few drizzles? I did some research and also spoke with Dr. Anjul Prakash, a senior expert in the field of public policy and climate change to find out why. You don't want to miss the interview, so stay tuned. let me tell you some of the reasons that are responsible for this situation of flooding and water stagnation one of the main causes is the blockage of stormwater drains all the cities have stormwater drains which are much bigger than normal drains that transport sewage for example in bangalore the drains should ideally be approximately 16 feet wide but according to data only approximately 45% of the drain is constructed the parts where the drain is already constructed has about 2 meters of silt and gunk sitting on the bottom catching up and the part where the drain is not constructed is usually covered up with mud or cement or houses or apartments or any other buildings it is completely illegal to do so But over the years many new buildings have sprouted on top of the stormwater drains. Due to this, the water is not able to get drained out completely and becomes stagnant leading to flooding. Several people have been impacted by this. In a few communities, water came up to 9 feet high and people's living rooms were completely filled with water. So much so that they had to swim around to move. Many people could not get to work or school as they were trapped inside their houses. Tractors and boats had to be called to evacuate people. People's workplaces and huge IT hubs were completely flooded. Although I do love the rain and love taking walks when it's drizzling, 
the severe rainfall and floods got me thinking about the reasons and if anything can be done to stop something like this from happening again in the near future. I am honored to have Dr. Anjol Prakash with me on the show today to guide me on many of these questions. He is a research director and adjunct associate professor from Bharati Institute of Public Policy at Indian School of Business. He is also an author for Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC. I'm thankful to the Coal Science Foundation, who connected me to Dr. Prakash. The mission of Coal Science Foundation is to advance the synergistic process of science and society. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Prakash to the show. Good evening, sir. Thank you for being on my show and answering some of the questions that many children like me and even adults have on the recent situation in Bangalore. Firstly, what inspired you to choose your current profession? What inspired me to choose this profession? Uh, that's a tricky question because I, um, you know, uh, it's a long story, uh, but uh, I never wanted to be in this profession. In fact, I just landed to be here. So um, like any other, you know, I grew up in a place called Jamshedpur, uh, which is in eastern India. And uh, in my time, when I was growing up in early 80s, um, there were only uh, two options for uh, people to be either engineer or a doctor. And I was not good in science. Uh, somehow, uh, you know, uh, luck was in my favor and I could get into a social science institute in Chennai. And that was a turning point in my life. And today, whatever I am here, uh, whatever I'm doing, uh, I think I owe it to my uh, early, uh, early years uh, when I got admission for a master's program in rural management in Chennai. For, so after traveling for a couple of years um, uh, in different places in India, uh, I um, landed in Hyderabad um, in uh, 2009, uh, and then um, became I came as I came here as a staff, uh, a senior fellow in an NGO, a research NGO, and after that I actually rose to be the executive director of this uh, NGO. Uh, the second turning point for me was uh, uh, an international assignment that I got. Uh, uh, with an organization called ECMOD, International Center for Integrated Mountain Development. And that's where I got uh, exposed to uh, countries of South Asia uh, and, uh, you know, I got uh, selected in IPCC. It's quite interesting how you ended up in profession you're doing today without actually even wanting to be in that profession. Secondly, over the last one week, Bangalore has experienced severe rainfall, which led to flooding. Why is the city flooding even though it's located on an elevation and quite high compared to other cities? So Bangalore's story is very different. Um, it's actually, uh, there are two sides of the story. One is definitely about the expansion of Bangalore without it being, you know, without the uh, authorities taking note of the uh, kind of infrastructure that is needed to for the city like Bangalore to expand. Basic infrastructure like uh, sanitation, water supply, facilities and road, uh, which is needed for the city to expand. But the city has, uh, you know, uh, overlooked on these aspects. 
second very important aspect of bangalore is about the lakes uh, so you have this uh, it used to be a garden city and the city of lakes and then you know water bodies were all over in early 90s of bangalore uh, in the expansion of the city because it became the it capital of india uh, so many people started uh, you know coming in to stay in bangalore uh, the city started engulfing its water bodies and so there was a total destruction of the network of lakes that were there see the lakes are the first line of defense uh, both for uh, floods and droughts so when it it is excessive rain uh, the uh, lakes uh, absorb them into their own uh, you know being uh, when it is uh, drought uh, whatever water is there in the lake uh, that seeps into the ground and gives access to water supply for many many people the millions of people who are dependent on this one okay i have this one question that's been confusing me for quite some time Why are only certain parts of this city sinking while others are dry? IPCC reports have been actually telling that there would be, uh, you know, uh, chances that the uh, the water site cycle will be activated. That's because of the global warming, uh, and uh, that activates the water cycle because the ocean becomes warmer, and uh, that leads to uh, many changes in the monsoon pattern. So, uh, what they call is that the 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 Everest, uh, you know, rainfall will not change. But what will happen is that the rainfall distribution pattern will will uh, will be variable, and that means the variability of climate change is what is the major part of it. And that's why you will find that some areas will be flooded, and some areas within the same geography will not have a an inch of water uh, or rainfall in that sense. So, so this is something which is predicted, and is called variability in rainfall in terms of uh, you know in the climate parallels. I really want to research more about it now. And has this ever happened before in Bangalore? Bangalore uh, hasn't seen this level of rainfall. I think it has broken the record of last sixty to seventy years. That is what I was told. Uh, so uh, yes, Bangalore, uh, uh, and that's why the whole problem is uh, is because of climate change. You actually see that the extreme weather events will be more pronounced, and that is uh, what we have. Um, the models are predicting that it will be where it will be more pronounced in future. The frequency uh, of these events and also the severity of these events will. be rising okay and yeah i've heard of a little bit of stories that said that there is a little flooding in the past year and are there chances of the flooding cases rising because of global warming so every fraction of warming is going to be impacting on the natural resources on the glacier systems on the ocean systems uh, uh, impact uh, very very greatly that means uh, we need to really keep our uh, you know global temperature warming uh, below 1.5 degree that was the end of the century target but what we have seen is that because of the uh, um, you know the the pollution that uh, is happening the kind of a human activity which is at peak without much the constraint uh, this 1.5 degree warming has neared up uh, and it is uh, predicted that next 20 years we will be reaching about 1.5 degree warming from the pre-industrial age and that means the end of century uh, you know target now is up 2 degree centigrade and that is also models are predicting that it is difficult to achieve and every sex every time the earth warms up uh, it actually leads to disasters like uh, you know changing in the weather patterns uh, also the glaciers melting sea level rising so numerous problems that it brings in
Uh, okay, that's also interesting how it will rise in different parts of the world as well. And is something similar occurring around the country, if not the world? These kind of climate catastrophes are happening all over the uh, South Asia and also many parts of the world. Uh, you must have heard that very recently, a couple of months before, there was incessant rain in Bangladesh, in the upper reaches of Bangladesh, which was unprecedented. It had never happened in the recent history of Bangladesh. Uh, then we had this floods in Assam. As we are speaking, we have severe drought in uh, um, China and the flood which is engulfing Pakistan, a large portion of Pakistan actually is underwater at this moment. So this is happening all across South Asia. So I didn't know about like the droughts in China, but I knew about the floods in Pakistan. But also I didn't know about the heavy rainfall in Bangladesh as well. Lastly, is there anything we can do in our homes or communities? Because it's not just the government, actually, it's just everybody who is at fault because we damaged the city and the environment as well. What can be done about this is a big question because the, uh, you know, and this is happening at two levels because global warming is something uh, which is the, you know, entire globe's problem. Uh, and uh, climate change is a, is a global issue and its impacts are very, very local in nature. And that means that the countries of the world have to come together and they have to agree that they will be reducing emission uh, together with everybody else. And that's where the most uh, uh, issue lies because uh, uh, people are not able to, countries are not agreeing to come together on a particular uh, you know, uh, issue and that's why most of the meetings are actually failing uh, to achieve on uh, meeting some of the global objectives that we have. So uh, there's a limit to which we can also adapt, but I think uh, the IPCC report has shown that the window of opportunity is not lost. We have about 20 years to put our house in order, and that is where we need to do. There are two levels of this we can do. One is at the India level. I think we need to actually discuss about what are the institutional framework in which we work so that the impacts of climate change is much lesser. We need to have special projects and uh, especially mitigation programs such as, you know, uh, uh, planting more trees, uh, protecting our water bodies. These are immediate measures that needs to be done. Yeah, I will sure try and do my very best. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Prakash. I learned so much about the importance of lakes, the variability of rainfall, and what we can do to protect ourselves from the rain. I'm sure my listeners will also implement some of the suggestions shared by you. Thank you once again for your time, Dr. Prakash. The key takeaway for me is that the development of a city could be good in multiple ways. But if too much is happening and too little is being done to stop overdevelopment, it will lead to catastrophic events, if not even worse events like this. I pledge to plant more trees around me. Even though this is a small step, it can lead to a big change if multiple people do it. Before we end off, I would like to share a few fun facts about rain. Number one, rain has a smell. When rain drops onto the dust or mud, it creates a smell because of the tiny bubbles on the surface. The smell is called petrichor. Now, I always love the smell of mud right after it has rained and now I know what it's called. Number two, 
Sometimes rain falls from the sky, but it never reaches the ground. This is as the rain falling from the sky evaporates before reaching the ground. On the same note of rain falling from the sky, how long does it take for rain to reach the ground? It takes approximately 2 minutes for a large raindrop to fall and an astonishing 7 minutes for smaller raindrops to reach the ground and I would have never expected that. Number 4. The shape of raindrops. The shape of the raindrops is often thought to be like a tear, but in reality it forms a spherical shape and then proceeds to the ground. And last but not the least, number 5. The wettest place on earth is Mausanaram village in the state of Meghalaya in India. Meghalaya translates to the land of the clouds and I can say that it does stand to its name because my parents and I, we visited the northeast and we went to Meghalaya and saw one of the world's rainiest villages, one of them, which is Chedapunji. And yeah, it was really cool because you were driving in the clouds. That is all for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider clicking on the subscribe or follow button on the podcast platform you are listening to me on. And don't forget to check out my Instagram and Twitter at the rate HelloKidacity for the latest news about my episode. I'll also be posting a few pics and videos detailing the flood. Until next week, goodbye and Jay Hin from Kidacity.